0: what I normally do, which is come with props and overheads and stuff like that because I intentionally need for you to listen. I need you to pay attention because there are some misconceptions of leadership. And this afternoon, the Holy Spirit's goal is to release those misconceptions and misunderstandings about leadership. Because in order to be part of a team, every member in that team must be a leader. Must be a leader. And often what happens is that the enemy lies to us and has us convinced that somebody else is in charge. And that's a lie. That's a lie. Leadership. As Pastor already has conveyed to us, it starts with self-leadership. It starts with discipline. The foundation of leadership is discipline and also understanding your place in that leadership role. So let's start by looking at the scriptures. And can we all stand please for the reading of the scriptures? For it is the word of God. The powerful word of God. And we're going to where it all began. In Genesis one twenty-six to 31. And read with me. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea. Over the bird of the air, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, "Yes, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life I have given every green herb for food and it has and it was so then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good so the evening and the morning were the sixth day thank you lord for your word heavenly father you may be seated where do we mostly look for leadership for the definition of leadership in many cases we find ourselves looking in the pol- the political arena in some cases we look for models in the entertainment industry and we continue to look for leadership in different places like organizations the CEOs all of those people that might even have PhDs or doctors right But the main place to look for leadership is in a place that has been with us for thousands and thousands of years in the word of God. That's where it all began. And who is the leader of the leaders if it isn't God himself? So what better model of leadership than God. Now, in his scripture, and we just read it together, he shows us that he made us in his image. So if God is the leader of leaders, and he made us in his image, then we must, we must have a little bit held of leadership in us. We're made in his image, right? But one of the saddest things that um, we should all be conscious about is the truth that that hasn't been the case even in the kingdom of God. For the crying need of the church today is leadership. And the most crucial problem is that leadership is in a vacuum. Experts say, and this is expert named George Barner. He's also a, a, a statisticianist. I think I said that right. Statisticianist. So he, he looks for records. He, he does a lot of numbers. Okay, This is what he says. Leadership remains one of the glaring needs of the church. People are often willing to follow God's vision but too, f- too frequently, they have no exposure to either the vision or true leadership. I know you want to. I know you want to follow. But what are you following? That's the big question. What are we following if we do not know? And we, we're not talking about Calvary. We're talking about the church in general. He continues to do research, and this is what he says. After 15 years of digging into the world around me I have searched several co- I have come to several conclusions regarding the future of the Christian church in America The central conclusion is that the American church is dying due to the lack of strong leadership In this time of unprecedented opportunities and plentiful relate um, resources, the church is actually losing its influence. The primary reason is the lack of leadership. Nothing is more important than leadership. I mean we see that every day, including when there are real social issues that people are actually fighting for, positive and negatively. We don't see the church present. And therefore, the world's view is the ones that come to win. So where are we? As a result, the Bible, uh, the, the bride of Christ suffers. Christ left his church on earth to do the work for eternal impact. And he gave us dominion He gave us the authority to help him maintain that impact of eternal impact, right? If the church is not well led, then the bride of Christ suffers. She will not be able to fulfill her mission in this generation. God himself calls us up for leadership, and we see that in his Word. God could have chosen to create human beings in a different way, in a number of different ways. He created us to have the choice and not be forced to follow him. He called every believer to lead others. Every believer. That's you, 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 you. So that immediately calls us a leader, confirms it, right? He calls them to participate. He calls us to participate in executing his plan of redemption. That's why we're Christians. Everything rises and falls on leadership. The leadership of any group or organization will determine the success or the failure. We see this in ancient history in the Bible. The scripture shows us and it teaches us that for many years the, 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 the people of God always often looked for leadership. There was even a point where God was leading them and they said, no, we want somebody. We want a human being, someone we could see that could take us. And though God was sat by that, he did give us the leadership. And not all leadership has been positive. Okay? And we see those patterns. God decided to raise up a nation of his own. So he called Abraham. God delivered his people from Egypt. So he calls Moses. God crossed um, to cross the people to the promised land. He allowed um, Joshua. Today he's still calling leaders to step forward to do great work. You, 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 me. And although yesterday we saw a marvelous example of leadership and teamwork present, as, as a member of this house, of this family, I can truly say this. They were the same people who are always working. The same team. Some of you weren't here. I can say that. And God is calling you to step. To step forward. For the last several months and years, We've been standing here, and the Holy Spirit has been ministering to all of us about moving forward in God. We have shown you scriptures. We have given you, um, um, we have given you examples. We have modeled for you. What are we waiting for? Believers often misunderstand the true nature of leadership. So I'll take it. I'll take one for the team, and I'll just come to the conclusion that you just didn't know. Right? Okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You did not know you were a leader. And some of those reasons may include that Christians think that they have to be quiet and withdrawn in order, like a sheep, in order to follow in the kingdom of God. But we're misunderstanding the difference between meekness and weakness. Meekness is not weakness. It's strength under control. So if you see the people of God humble, subdued in peace, that doesn't mean that they're weak. That just means that they know their strength and power in God. But when we don't step up to what God calls us to do, which is to be in his image a leader, then we are not humble, we're just weak. We're weak to laziness, we're weak to selfishness, we're weak to comfort, we're weak because we do not want to mess up our schedule. We do not want for anybody to tell us what to do. We do not want To come to church and feel like we got a job to do. But I'm going to share something with you. For me, serving God is not a job, it is a duty, an honor, it's a lifestyle, it's a privilege. It is because what I've realized that the more I serve God, the more time I have and the more flexibility that God gives me in my, the other areas of my life. So sometimes the enemy has us thinking that if we give up a little time, if we give up of our leadership ability or our, our, our skill and we come out to church, that we are giving up of our time and we're giving up stuff that we need time and, and things that we need to do for our own life. But isn't, isn't being part of the kingdom of God or even a Christian all of it, even the church, a lifestyle, a part, just as important as if it's your home or your school, things like that. It should be the difference between weakness and meekness. Christians are called to recognize their own weakness, but this is when God's strength is made perfect. It's not easy for me to stand up here. It may appear like that to you, but it's not. You know, I, it, I go through all this stuff the night before or a few minutes before because I don't want to come out here as Migdalia or the minister of the house. I want to come out here with the Holy Spirit being the one that uses me. And, and, and even if I have to be the, the vessel, for God. And it's not easy because I have to become weak so that God can become strong in me and be able to stand here and say whatever God decides should be coming out of this pulpit. I value the holiness of this ground. Thank you, Lord. So it isn't easy. But the Bible also tells us that obedience is better than sacrifice. So if God calls me to stand up here and speak of this, there's no second thought for me. I have to do what God told me to do. Thank you, Lord. Now, why why should we think about about leadership. Well, we already know that God called each one of us to be a leader. And throughout the next month, you're going to hear the specific qualities of leadership, the, the character of leaders, the task of a leader, how leadership looks, so our, our, our prayer is that your eyes start to open up in your ears and that you start to see leadership in yourself in ways that you've never seen it before. Today we're just giving you an introduction. All believers can further their potential with leadership. Let's take a lesson from the best, Dr. John C. Maxwell, which we all know, he writes Leadership ability determines a person's level of effectiveness. I'll repeat it again. Leadership ability determines a person's level of effectiveness. So if you think that your leadership is small, then your effectiveness will be small. If your leadership is wide, then your effectiveness will be wide and powerful, right? Let's look at leadership in a different way. Leadership is a simple, leadership means influence. pastor just said it. And it's as simple as that. Leadership is influence, nothing more or less. Let's look at what influence means. Now, I looked at it in, in the dictionary, and this is what I got the capacity or the power of persons or things to be a compelling force on or produce effects on the actions, behaviors, and opinions, etc. So, it's a capacity or power to compel a force. It also means the action or process of producing effective action, behavior, or opinion. That's all leadership is. It's an influence. And we see influences in the Bible all the time. We see positive influences. We see negative influences. In the negative influences, we see um, Eve being... Being influenced by the biggest influence, negative influence there is. Satan himself, the master of lies and deception, right? It all started there. We also see um, negative influence in Jacob and, and Rebecca. They were deceived, considering that he loved her, but he was deceived over and over again until he got her, right? And we see that in Genesis twenty-five twenty-nine. But we also see positive influences. We see Jesus, our best positive influence. No matter what happened, Jesus was influencing us positively. And we see that throughout all the scripture in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we see Esther. She was influential for her people. We see Samuel in 1 Samuel 7, very influential. And if you ask yourself, what are the characters as a woman, go to Proverbs 31. A woman of influence, Proverbs 31, gives you all the details right there, what you need to be in order to be a fluential woman. And if you young people, now I speak to you, want to know what the influence is for young people. 1 Timothy 4.12 tells you what you need to do. Let's look at that. Let's look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.12. And this is not just for young people. This is for all of us. This is what the word says. Everybody ready? Mm -hmm. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in the word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. That applies to all of us, right? Till I come, give attention to reading, to exalt exhortation to doctrine do not neglect the gift that is in you do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on the hands of the eldership. Now none of you need that to happen necessarily Um. In the, in the natural, because you already know you have gifts. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirety to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Amen. This is what we're supposed to be doing. So it's not only for young people. So we see this all over scripture, positive and negative influence. Good leaders is the means for leaving a legacy. We live in an age of tolerance where protecting feelings is more highly valued than proclaiming the truth. People look with suspicion upon anyone who desires to influence others to embrace their beliefs. Thomas Jefferson proclaimed, in matters of fashion, swim with the current. In matters of consciousness, stand like a rock. How many times don't we waver that? Because it don't feel good to bring correction to people. Don't feel good to go in a different direction when the whole group is going in the earthly direction. Self-leadership. We give an age of tolerance where protecting feelings is more highly valued than what we believe. And I'm going to close it up with Psalms 82. Let's go to Psalms 82 because this is very important. And I strongly recommend that you go back to this psalm in the future to study it because this is how God is measuring leadership. So he's measuring all of us. So when we speak about leadership, we're not talking about pastor and the minister's We're talking about each one of us individually and not only in the church, in your life, at the job, at the home. When you take the initiative to step forward and influence, this is how he measures us. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hands of the wicked. This is what we're supposed to be doing. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness, all the foundations of the earth are unstable. I say, You are gods, and all of you are children of the most high, but you shall be but you shall die like men and fall like one of the pre, um, prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. God is calling us specifically to lead. Honey?
1: Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Leadership. My intent, as I follow after my wife, is to just basically give you the simple, basic, solid foundations and the three points of this whole thing of leadership, teamwork, and God involved in it, because if he's not involved in it, you're in a vacuum, and it'll never work. So we talked about leadership. For there to be leadership influence, one that influences and leads, there has to be a team that participates and follows and is in obedience to this leader. If the leader doesn't have that, then he's walking by himself. He's not leading anybody. How many of you have been there? We're going to make sure that that doesn't happen. However, if we are on the team side, instead of judging the leader, amen, we need to obey and follow. However, to the leader, The reason sometimes they don't obey is because you're not making them or you're not letting you, they're not understanding you. And if they don't understand you, very difficult for them to follow you. So a leader has to be able to make contact and engage with his team and show himself to them. A leader that doesn't do that, very difficult to have a following. Very difficult to influence. Influencing and leadership is really giving yourself up for it. Otherwise, it won't work. So if you want to be a leader and all of you have that gifting, because as my wife said, the DNA of God is in you. He called you to lead and get people to follow you toward him. right, So it's in you. The question is, are you gonna pull it out? See, you you don't have to wait for that to come to you because it's already in you. What I'm trying to do and what we're trying to do is pull it out of you. You've been sitting on it. You ain't been using it. You'll find that you'll use it when you have somebody following you. So for there to be leadership, there has to be a following. Otherwise, like I said before, you are by yourself. Leadership is influence and influence, and a team has to cooperate and has to follow. Amen? This is my definition of this whole process. Listen to what my definition of teamwork is. Teamwork is a group of individuals that can flow in rhythm, maximizing each other's gifting in order to achieve teamwork. You must have individual character, integrity, trust, creativity, selflessness, synergy, intellectual curiosity, trusting the process, and so on. A leader has to make that happen. And a team has to participate in that. I'm going to start now by just going, if you go, would, would go with me, to Luke 4, the fourth chapter. And what we're going to do, we're going to focus on the the leader of leaders. The leader of leaders. Jesus, the son of the living God. El Raboní, the teacher. Amen? So, if you're there in Luke, the fourth chapter, just say, Amen. Amen. Praise God. And let's read, in the name of the Lord, Luke 4, and I'm going to... Before I read now, now, now let's Jesus Jesus okay he was tempted he went through all the processes that he when he was baptized by John the Baptist and he's ready to commence his ministry amen and this portion of scripture here indicates when he walked into a synagogue, a place that he would go to customly Jesus was Jewish, so he would go to the synagogue on Saturday okay he was observant of the Passover. In fact, a lot of things happen in the Passover. So in this issue, in this case here, he is in the synagogue, and this is what happens when Jesus is there just getting ready to start his ministry. Okay? Getting ready to be a leader to 12 guys that God is going to use him to pick. It says this in verse 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, To proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord is upon me was the first thing that he read. Let me let you know that if you want to lead or you want to do anything for the Lord, especially in the 21st century with all this stuff that's going on, you better have the Spirit of the Lord on you. Not education, that's good. Understanding is good. But if you don't have the finger of God on you, you ain't going to shake or move nobody. And that's why we ain't getting nowhere. Because we need the anointing of God if Jesus, the Son of God, the Alpha and the Omega. The Word of God coming flesh set the Spirit of God has to anoint me so that I can do this. Who are we? So here is the first step to leadership. The Spirit of God has to be on you, has to anoint you, has to be in you so that you can declare what thus saith the Lord. He has sent me to heal. You can't heal nobody if you're anointed. You can't heal nobody with just education and information. The anointing was for what? The anointing is to break the yoke. So we can talk, which is good. And have understanding, which is good. But we need to break the yoke so that that understanding can get into the individual. He came to set at liberty those That were captive. So he has to set them free. Before he disciples them. Sometimes we try to disciple people that are still bound. So the discipleship bounces right off of them. And we have no success. But the devil is a liar and we're going to expose him. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to set people free so that we can then put the word of God in it. In, in, in the Old Testament, the prophets would speak about uprooting. Everybody that comes to the Lord has to have an uprooting. Because when you come in, you come in sick. And sometimes we receive half discipleship and half we're sick. How many of you obey, know that a baby can, can, can live without an arm? But he has an impediment. We have some people in the, in the body that have impediments that need to still be delivered so that they can be whole. Salvation means being whole. Completely whole. If you have a little bit of fear in you, you're not completely whole. If you can't sleep, you're not completely whole. If you're too shy, you're not completely whole. But Jesus Christ came to set you free. So the first ingredient, amen, for leadership is the anointing of God. Amen. So now we're going to look at the one that God anointed and see how he led. Let's go to Matthew, the 26th chapter, quickly, because of time. Hallelujah. Matthew, the 26th chapter, and let's just go to verse 17, when you're there, say amen. Amen. Now check this out. It says, Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it says the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. He's giving them what? Instruction for preparation. Knowing that his time is at hand. Knowing that he is fighting. That in a little while he's going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray the hardest prayer he ever had to pray. He knew that all the cohorts of Hell was rising up against him. He knew that somebody in his camp was going to betray him. He was still in control and he was still giving orders of preparation. What a leader. What a leader. But then, let's be mindful of verse 19. Then his team. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. A leader has to be able to have consistency and control no matter what the situation. I'm pretty sure that his disciples saw this. They knew something was happening. In fact, uh, they had a conversation and they spoke about before the day of the Passover where he sent them out two by two. Leader has to have confidence and trust his team. And the team has to be daring and Disciplined enough to go and do what the leader says to do. And whatever happens, you come back and give the report. That's how it works. It's not the leader doing everything. The leader has a team so that the team can work with him and get this done. Jesus, the guy that spoke, the God that spoke everything into existence and holds it in place by the word of his mouth, by his faith, needed a team. We need a team. This is the principle that he's teaching us. Amen? So here you have Jesus. And although he's going through all of this, he is giving direction and orders. And his team, the disciples, are obeying. Amen? The second part of this. Praise God. Now, if you look at verse 21, when a leader and his team have synergy, and synergy means that they're all moving In one accord. Whenever that happens, everything that is not good will surface. And you can pinpoint it. Verse 21, when they had synergy. Amen. The Bible says that Judas, Escariot, amen, was exposed. And Jesus tells him, whatever you're going to do, man, go do it quick. And he was exposed. So if you have a team and you lead, make sure that you have synergy with your team. And let me tell you that either the person will get in place or he'll be out. Don't be afraid to take somebody out of your team. This is an example. If he don't change, he's gone. We need to have faith and we need to have boldness, amen, to say, hey, if you're not going to get with the program, I'll see you later. This is too important. So when you have synergy as a leader and your team is moving, God will use you that way. And moving quickly. Let's go to John, the 13th chapter, quickly, quickly. John the 13th chapter. Now, I'm going to try and demonstrate to you what Jesus, the leader above all leaders, the leader who had influence and had all his stuff in order and in place, the one who was able to communicate, the one that was able to make contact, how he operated. Let's go to John, the 13th chapter, and I'm going to just start reading. Now, before the feast of the Passover, again, when Jesus knew his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Very important for a leader. Love, love, love. You got to love your team. You got to love all this worketh by love. You want power in God? You want the gifts in your life? They all operate by love. If you don't have love, don't even pray for that. If you don't have love... Don't even think about that. Ask God to give you love. You must have love. Amen. To be a leader and even participate in a team. Verse 2. And supper being ended, the Bible says that the devil got into Judas Iscariot. And you know the story. Jesus told him, go ahead and do it. He's the one that gave up the leader, Jesus Christ. But let's continue reading on verse... Three, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. A leader has to know where he came from. That's what the pastor said. Jesus knew he came from God. When he got baptized, he remembered hearing his father say, that's my son of whom I'm well pleased, and I got his back. And he said that so loud that Satan heard it and all the demons in hell heard it. If you serve God as a leader, you better know that God the Father, amen, he's your pops. And he's got your back. And he sent you. And you know where you came from and who is sending you. And guess what? When we die, we know where we're going. And no matter what happens, fear cannot grip us because we know who sent us and where we're going. And that's how we need to lead. Your team is going to know if you know that. Your team is going to be able to determine if you know that. If you don't know that, it'll pop up. When the going gets tough, you're going to start shaking and making mistakes and rattling. Amen. Need to be consistent. Amen. Verse 4. Then here is leadership in action. The Bible says that he rose, Jesus, he rose from supper, from the table. And laid aside his garments. He took his tallit, his priestly robes. Kind of like saying, I'm going to put my Godhead on the side because I want to make contact with you. I came from you and I can work like you. And if I can come down to you, you can come up to me. For that's my purpose. And I'm a servant. And he begins to teach something crazy. Something counterculture. If you want to be first, then be last. If they smack you, let them smack you again. Spiritually. Amen. Serve and I'll raise you up. Give and I'll give you. Give me your heaviness and I'll give you a spirit of joy. If you don't know that, you don't know the master. So he begins to teach crazy stuff to the disciples. And here, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one that breathed, his breath came to us. He breathed what they call ruach. The breath of God is ruach, a breath that comes out, gives you life and continue giving you life forever. Because we're eternal. He said, listen, I'm putting that to the side and I'm going to serve you because this is A key to making dumb. a key for leadership, is not only love, but is serving and making contact with whoever you are leading. And then it says, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon, and you know the story. Simon always goes beyond the, beyond the limits. You know, let me wash your feet. No, this has to happen. i got to teach you. I'm going to show you something that perhaps you don't know now, but you're going to know later. And a lot of times, he's trying to teach you stuff, or I'm trying to teach you stuff that you might not know now, but you're going to know later. Because that's the way it works. We have to show you, tell you, and demonstrate it. Amen? And I'm going to try, just before I end, To show you this in action. Al, would you assist me? This is Jesus. And this is what he wants to do with us as our leader. He is going to represent us. Get on your knees. We're down there. Jesus is up here. Those that are moving in his will and understand him are up here. Our leaders are here. Our pastor are here. And sometimes they take us like this, but we're still down there. And they try to bring us to a place that God has shown them. And what happens is for us to get there, it, it's hard for me to walk without on his knees. It's Very difficult. But me, as a leader... As God has graced me and ordained me, I need to make contact with my people. So for me to make contact with my people, I got to come down to their level, see them eye to eye, and take hold of them. But it's still hard to get through like this. But I made contact. Now he trusts me. And he will be obedient to me. And he's seen that I can come down. That I'm strong enough to do that. And I'm consistent. And I have control. Because when the stuff was going wrong, when they spoke about me and gave up on me, and Iscariot said something about me, and they're going to come, I'm still in control. I'm still giving direction. And I have all my faculties. So he's trusting me. So now because he's doing that, I can make contact. And engage with him. And raise him up. Amen? Now, he's at my level. Amen? Now, we can walk together. We can touch and agree. How can two walk together if not in agreement and a house divided will fall? But now we're not divided. We're solid and we're strong. And that's the job of a leader. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. And And that's leadership before your eyes. That's what God wants every one of us to do. We need to go and get them and bring them, amen, and raise them up as they trust us. So there we saw God's consistency, his leadership consistency, his control, and his courage. You need to have courage. If you don't have courage, they're going to see it in you. Amen? And if you're on a team, you need to be cooperative. You need to trust. You need to participate. And you need to obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice.